The following podcast contains some strong language and some very average opinions. It's probably best if you don't listen at all. The Roaring Peacock Podcast. You're listening to the Roaring Peacock Podcast. My name is Adonis. You know me from the Adelites. With me is Alex, the small-faced merchant. Yep. And we've got our guest today, um, Sammy James, from the award-winning Fulhamish Podcast. How are you going, Sammy? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. So we are previewing the Legion United versus Fulham game. How do you think the game is going to go? Um, I'm I'm hopeful that it will be all right for us. Um, I think we we both had difficult starts, didn't we? Um, Liverpool was always going to be tricky for you guys um, as a first game. I thought you guys did amazingly. Um, it was a really entertaining game, and uh, I think a game would have to go a long way this season to be better than that one, actually, for one week in. Um, For us against Arsenal, I think we were on a hiding to nothing. Um, Arsenal weren't very good last year, but are clearly a much better side now. And they were on form. They'd won the FA Cup. They'd won the Community Shield. And then they rattle around to a game against Fulham. And it was always going to be a tough ask. It was a shame we didn't put up a bit more of a fight, didn't take a couple of the early chances that came our way. And in the end, it was a pretty meek defeat and it was oh I mean it was just a bit boring for half an hour once they were 3-0 up and just passing around the back and we couldn't get anywhere near them as for this game therefore I think it's going to be two sides who are going to be under quite a lot of pressure to get the first points on the board what I'm hoping is there is a little bit more pressure on you guys because it's a home game and that maybe we can take advantage of that the game that we played against you a few months ago where you won 3-0 3-0 I think we had a lot of chances we didn't quite take those chances that day and you know Bielsa even said that like we were one of the best teams that you faced last season in that game he was really impressed and you guys you know took your chances had some amazing moments um, I still can't get over that um, Pablo Hernandez pass um, I think it'll be might be a question of who gets the first goal I think if we get the first goal we'll frustrate you and, and it'll be a really and it'll be probably a profitable afternoon for us but yeah, I think if you guys get your tails up early doors, then again, I think we'll be in for a long afternoon. I think it might yeah. come down to something as simple as that. I think that in that first half in that game that you're talking about, uh, Ellen Road, I think you guys were a lot stronger than we'd given credit for. And I think that first half was a lot more even than the scoreline suggests. So I'm hoping it's more second half than first half when you come. Um, yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> it was just so, it was, I mean, that second goal that you guys scored from a Fulham point of view was just, I mean, the comical defending where about four of our players fell over from the world's simplest cross. I think it was Luke Ayling that put, I mean, it wasn't a cross. It was just a pass. It was just a low, four players could have cleared it and somehow they managed to fall over the ball, um, all of them. Um, and I think we just lost all momentum after that. We played so well in that first half and then and then for that to happen, 2-0 down against a side like Leeds and you know, you guys are a good team and if we give you a 2-0 head start under BLC, you're not going to give that away very, very often. I know that you uh, have done a few times famously in the past, but I, I think those days are slightly behind you. Well, we never know because I said earlier on, on a previous podcast that it would just be very Leeds to perform like that against Liverpool and to lose the next two. Mm. So I'm... I'm very reticent about it. I wouldn't ever go into it in any confidence because <laughs> Leeds are involved. So yeah, it's going to be a good game either way. So 
Yeah. So the game that you guys were referring to was the one on the 27th of June. It was the second game after the break for for the pandemic. Um, so from a Leeds perspective, we'd um, we felt like quite cocky coming back after the break. We thought, you know, because Bielsa sort of uh, he dots every I and crosses every T. And we, we saw the players sort of working out all the way through lockdown. And, and we thought, you know what, we're going to be fitter than any other team. And we came out against Cardiff and lost. Hmm. And I think that kind of burst a bubble. And for a lot of Leeds fans, it was it was like, oh, no, here we go again. You know, um, we're going to lose a massive lead and finish third and then lose in the playoffs again. Yeah, some some fans I don't know who might have put quite a lot of money in us staying down after that result. I don't know. Who <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a weird time that wasn't it? Because it'll been the same for all clubs, and and obviously you guys going up through the playoffs as well. That's a different experience altogether. We don't win in playoffs, so what's that like? Ah, well, it's quite nice. I mean, we didn't used to win in playoffs either. No. We'd never won a playoff until two years ago, and now we've won two in three years. So I think we can uh, very much say that that curse has been broken for us. I mean, it was a weird time for everyone. We'd lost, obviously, to Brentford the week before as well. So we had these two massive games where we were like, well, all right, if we're going to go up automatically, we need to beat Brentford, and then we need to get a result at Leeds. We lost to Brentford, and then we lost to you guys. And, and this is mad now. We did a whole podcast after that, and the main theme throughout that podcast was we think Scott needs to be fired. Right. And, well. and here we are three months later playing you in the Premier League and that will never, and that is certainly not on the agenda now. For And Scott's, you know, just signed a new three-year contract and, and everything's rosy. But after that game, I think we, we thought that the playoffs weren't secure. And then obviously we went on a winning run. We won a couple of really terrible games where we just managed to nick them out 1-0 and then we went on our run and didn't lose for the rest of the season bar the second leg of the semi-final which we won on aggregate so it was a massive turning point after that game Uh, I think for both clubs obviously you guys didn't really look back after that and actually we kind of pulled our socks up and, and got the wins that took us into the playoffs and then we took that momentum and quite easily swatted away Cardiff and beat Brentford in the playoff final, which is still the sweetest sentence that any Fulham fan can ever say. Yeah, and all of your support was subsidised by lead supporters because after what Thomas Frank said, um, everybody supported Fulham. So yeah, you had quite a lot behind you. Yeah, (laughs) and that was enjoyable to to have the uh, two white armies uh, going up against uh, that noisy lot down the road. Yeah. So you guys were fourth going into that, um, the second game after the pandemic, the the Leeds 3 Fulham nil that game and you still held hopes of automatic um now just running through um, I, I, did, I was trying to watch that get rewatch that game but I, I managed to catch the highlights the extended highlights and I noticed that um there was a Mitrovic elbow after two minutes mm. um that sort of Ben White had to take on the chin yeah um, there was also another incident where I saw Anthony Noka kind of um, stamp on on Costa, I think it was, after 18 minutes. Mm. And to me, both those incidents, I think, in VAR, um, I think he would have been down to nine men after after about 20 minutes. 
Well, Mitrovic, hundred percent. I think Mitrovic was clear cut. I can't remember the knockout one. If I'm being, uh, if I'm being tr- truthfully honest, um, it does sounds like something a, a knockout could do um, in a moment of passion because he's a passionate Frenchman yeah. and he's very passionate about football. Um, yeah, the Mitrovic. The, the annoying thing about what happened to with Mitrovic in that game is, and Steve McLaren, I remember, was on commentary that day, and. Steve McLaren's still got a chip on his shoulder about Mitrovic yeah, from when he, he was manager does. of him. Mitrovic has got this reputation of being a thug and a dirty player. And he looks like a thug. I can't get away from that. And he did used to have a bit of an attitude problem when he first came to Newcastle. That's the first incident that I, that, that kind of sort I can remember from Mitrovic since he started at Fulham. And it was, you know, it was a moment of recklessness. He'd obviously got too G'd up for the game and just got carried away two minutes in and he got obviously retrospectively banned. He missed three games after that. Um, and rightly so it was, it was a dirty challenge. And um, yeah, if he does that again tomorrow, um, he will be in a lot of trouble. It's it's interesting for you to say that because obviously for us, like, yeah, I, I don't watch Fulham obviously uh, week in, week out. And, and for me, all I knew of Mitrovic was he was, uh, <laughs> I don't know, like a kind of very um, dirty player, um, a very physical player at the very least. Mm-hmm. And then two minutes in, he elbows kind of yeah. one of our heroes. And then you're thinking, <laughs> well, he should be off, really. I think it's a natural assumption if you don't watch him every week. And, and he, he is a physical player, but a physical player doesn't necessarily mean a dirty player. And I think that's sometimes... But, you know, he got sent off quite a lot in his early days at Newcastle. He was a hothead and he's kind of lived with that reputation ever since. But if that means that people underestimate him and still do, then that's Mitrovic's benefit at the end of the day. Um, So, yeah, I'd say that is probably an isolated incident. Of course, he has... He's a passionate player, and occasionally there's there's the odd skirmish, and he's he's never uh, he's never slow to enter a, a scuffle or whatever on the pitch. He he will always stand up for himself. But actually, that incident that we saw against Ben White, I think, is quite isolated for for Mitrovic. Yeah, I mean, he's got that reputation as a, a, a physical player, but also had the reputation last season as being the best striker in the division. And I've heard a lot of Leeds fans also repeat that. So it's not like he's he's just a dirty player. Um, I think we. As fans, I don't think there was ever any sort of realistic chance of us signing him, but I think as fans, we wanted that sort of striker when Bamford's um, misfiring. Um, he does a, like we, I'm a big fan of Bamford. He does a lot of work, but the goals weren't going in at one point in the season. Last season, it was getting a little bit um, terse, but yeah. That's, that's I guess the, kind of the inverse of that and what you guys have that we don't is we rely on Mitrovic for all our goals and you guys have goals from all around the pitch and that's probably that was our big problem in the Premier League last time as we only had Mitrovic basically to score goals and still may be a problem now I don't really know where the goals are going to come from if it's not Mitrovic so, so what, what happened with Mitrovic because he didn't start against Arsenal did he? No, um, I think he'll start tomorrow. I think I can't be one hundred percent sure, but he's he had a hamstring injury, hence why he didn't play in either of the playoff semi-finals. And he basically came on for thirty minutes of the playoff final and was walking around on one leg. Um, still assisted the second goal though, so you know it's not that it wasn't all bad. Um, and yeah, I think he was rested against Arsenal. He'd played for Serbia only a few days before. He played most of the game against Ipswich in the cup on. Wednesday scored as well so I, I think he'll be playing against against Leeds at least for 
60 minutes, 70 minutes, I would guess. Right. How, how did he go against Ipswich? Well, he scored. Um, I mean, it was a dull Carabao Cup game um, where there weren't that many chances, but, you know, he was physical, but only so much you can read into a game against Ipswich. But, you know, got a great chance, cross into the box, good header. So he'll be confident. That's And, and Mitrovic is like all strikers, aren't they? They're, they're all the same. Um, scratch beneath the surface. They're confidence players and get a goal and it might result in another goal. Um, later in the week and I think that's why it was quite important to win against Ipswich for us it was okay yeah, it's the Carabao Cup who cares but it's important just to kind of winning breeds confidence and then yeah. definitely that's the case with Fulham See that's we've got the opposite with that because of the result that we've had from, with Hull well against but I Hull I guess is it a bit is it a bit negated because it was penalties and penalties uh, can are a lottery Yeah the performance was terrible as well though but it was a it was a full changed 11 yeah. Um, so it's none of the starting that started against Liverpool. So yeah, we can kind of mitigate both sides. But I think like you say about the confidence stuff, is that going to affect some of our players? I don't know. I think that, that kind of makes a little bit of a wobble going into Saturday. Yeah, our first shot on target was in the 89th minute. So yeah, it's good work that. <laughs> Right. It was a, it was a it was a by all um in all ways it was a it was a poor performance. So um what happened can you can you give me an a bit of an idea because you guys went up a couple of seasons ago and you spent was it 120 million pounds or there there something about, like yeah. that? Yeah. And you and you bought brought in maybe 13 new players or some something like that. Um Yeah. So can you can you tell me what what the difference is because I, I, you've only brought in maybe two players this this summer, is that right? Uh, a bit more. I think it's. Uh, I think we've brought in about four or five, but one of them was kind of someone that was on loan from last season. I think we've only brought in two permanent players and then a couple of loans here and there. So, yeah, I, I think the difference is that this time we were much more equipped to go up to the Premier League. Before we'd spent four years in the Championship, and whilst we had a good squad, it was built out of loanees that, playoff winning squad the time before and we actually just couldn't get some of those loanies back uh, Matt Target is the perfect example he was our left back throughout the playoffs that season he was brilliant and Southampton we didn't I think our chairman wasn't smart enough or didn't have the resources to put in a buy-in clause and so then Southampton were like oh you want him do you oh well that's 25 million and we're yeah. thinking shit um so this time we didn't need to sign quite so many players and and I think that's that's different. I mean the whole 120 million thing we did buy a couple of players that we shouldn't have. John McElserry was not a good purchase for us. The rest Alfie Mawson for 20 million and was not a great purchase for us. But on the whole we didn't sign, you know, 30 million of that was Mitrovic who is clearly a really really good signing. 30 million of it was and Zambo Angisa, who still plays for us, and I think will be a central cog for us this season. We made lots of mistakes. We changed too much of that playoff team, and that's what we're not doing this time. So the team that started against Arsenal, even though we've brought in quite a few new players, all were here last season, and 10 out of the 11 started the playoff final. What Scott is doing is he's saying to the existing lads, look, you got us here. Your place in the team is kind of there, but you know we've brought in real quality, and if you don't deliver to a Premier League standard, you've got players waiting in the wings who can take your spot. And I think that's already starting to happen. TC didn't play very well on Saturday. He might not be playing. Uh, sorry, Tom Kearney might not be playing on Saturday against Leeds because Angisa 
has come in, looked really good in the couple of games that he's played. And 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 that is the way to do it. Slavisa started six new players in the first game that we played against Palace the first time we got promoted. And I think the disunity that caused in the squad was a massive impact on why we didn't perform well. I think the squad unity is much better this time. Squad unity doesn't keep you in the league, but it does stop you having an absolute disaster of a season. And it's why I don't think you guys or us, whilst I'm not necessarily 100% sure either of us will stay up, I don't think it'll be a disaster because both of our teams, they play for Bielsa and they play for Parker. I can't say the same necessarily for West Brom. I don't really know as much about them, but I think it's massively important that you've got the squad behind you. And, and, and I think we Slav lost the dressing room very, very quickly that season that we went up. That's the one thing that's quite interesting with this is obviously for you, the, the Premier League is this massive new exciting thing. You haven't been there for, for so long and in most of the time you've been down, we have been up here. And I think there's a bit of an apathy amongst Fulham fans for being in the Premier League. It's not mad exciting. It's obviously good. We need to be in the Premier League and we understand the importance of it. And I'm sure if Fulham spent as long in the EFL as you guys did, we would also be really, really excited to be back here. But we also saw the very ugly side of the Premier League the last time we were here. The ticket prices, the shit performances, um, the terrible defending from uh, and just the games where you turn up to week in week out knowing you're going to get hammered you go see man city at home and you're just sitting there waiting for man city to score a goal and it takes five minutes and then you know and it ekes out of you um after a while so i'm hoping we make a better fist of it and maybe our love of the premier league is slightly reignited because i think there's just a bit of a feeling of there amongst the fan base the main reason we were happy to win the playoff final was because we beat Brentford that honestly was the main motivation to win that game was to stop them going up (laughs) yeah I can see that actually did you want to ask the question about the Michael Jackson statue yeah, and I kind of did. What what was your guys' thought on that? Because we watched it from afar. Yeah. That's like, oh my god, what what's that all about? <laughs> so, like, when your owner puts a statue of a questionable pop star outside your stadium, what's what's that doing the fan base? Oh, human. We were all just well. I remember actually, I wasn't in the country, so I, I um I went on a six months abroad kind of thing because um, I didn't get into uni first time around. And um, it all kind of happened then. And I was like, I just, I honestly thought someone was playing a prank on me. Like I thought, I think it might've been like 3 a.m. in some mushroom bar in Laos. And someone showed me this image. Like, Oh yeah, they put up a Michael Jackson statue at the cottage. I was like, huh. Um, And it was, yeah. I mean, none of us liked it. None of us were very happy about it. I think if it happened now, maybe there would be a bit more of an organized fan voice to to stop it but yeah maybe it was at a time where Fulham fans just shrugged their shoulders and went meh now we just yeah. make a joke of it but it was yeah. the right thing to remove it and and you know in its place now is a statue of World Cup winning player George Cohen which is a much is exactly what you should have outside your stadium really so it was I don't know Mohammed Al-Fayed was a bonkers man and that was very much the epitome of his personality. But then again, he did purchase Fulham as a fourth division team yeah. and took us to the Premiership. 
and got us to a European final. And it was only a year or so after that he got us to a European final that he decided to put up a Michael Jackson statue. So maybe there was just a kind of feeling from the fan base of, well, if that's the price we have to pay for (laughs) years of success, then maybe... I think that... I can't really remember because it was quite a long time ago, but the new chairman, when he bought the club, it was the best decision he made. Even though Mohamed Al-Fayed says that ever since that, Fulham will be under a curse. Because... You're doing all right so far, so <laughs> you doing Yeah, good. we've not done too... Well, there was a few years, though, where I think we maybe had six years of only bad things, really, after that. So n- nothing's really gone quite as well ever since the statue was taken down, in fairness. I think it's a bit more to do than just the removal of a uh, questionable pop star, but yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, I mean, I remember watching that whole scenario and thinking, oh, well, Leeds have had the problems. They've had the bad owners. We'll never have anybody that crazy. Well, don't speak <laughs> too soon. You never know. <laughs> no, we, did, we didn't. We got Chilina and uh, yeah. we ended up selling as captain three times in a row. Um, the swimming pool got decommissioned it's only just been recommissioned Uh, so yeah the players had to bring their own socks Um, but but no statues of pop stars so that's good yeah no you've got uh, you've got so you've got some nice statues outside of uh, of of Elland Road I I actually worked for um, can you remember Yorkshire Radio oh yeah owned which was owned by the football club I believe I did about two weeks work experience there because I went to Leeds Uni so I, I know Leeds quite well um and obviously, we basically worked for the club. So I was given a, I basically spent two weeks just milling about Elland Road, interviewing anyone from the Kitman to Leeds right. fans to a couple of ex-Leeds players who I can't even put a name on. They clearly weren't that notable. It wasn't like Mark Faduka or anything like that. Right. Um, but yeah, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Leeds. My dad's actually a Leeds fan as well. So um I, I, I think you've broken his heart. You've broken your poor dad's heart. So he didn't put. He just didn't. He actually now is a Fulham and Leeds fan, and probably would support Fulham over Leeds. I think he's a, he's he's he moved from Doncaster to uh, to the South a long time ago, and I think he was never really a proper Leeds fan. So but wait he a always... minute. He lived in Doncaster, supported Leeds, then moved down south and supports Fulham. He's what is Fulham because of me, basically. I'm going to say, this is the kind of person that's got two clubs in the bio on Twitter. I mean, I don't want to denigrate your dad. He, uh, (laughs) I think, he had about 20 years. 40 minutes in, we were abusing his family. Yeah, I know. I think he had 20 years where he basically didn't even care about football, to be fair to him, where it was a a gap in between. But um, yeah, I think we were a happy family that both teams got promoted actually because uh it it was nice we we always said it wouldn't it be nice one day if Leeds and Fulham got promoted so uh yeah I think uh, I think he was pretty happy yeah so a good game for you to watch on Saturday then uh both of you that'll be good yeah yeah yeah. he'll he he sports Fulham really (laughs) there we go (laughs) so I'll just I'll just give you a quick refresh of the two games that we played against each other last season so the first one was on the 21st December 2019 um, so that was Fulham two leads one. Um, basically, there was a very like Pablo, uh, our magician, got uh, injured in the first two minutes, and then you were given a very dodgy penalty for a soft push, um, and you scored from a scrambled, uh, scored a goal from a, a scramble after a corner. So that was two one. We had sixty five percent possession. And we had um, twice the amount of shots and shots on target than you did. And you also cleared the ball off off your line twice. Okay. And then uh, now, 
this is the game after lockdown, so 27th of June. And we kind of went through that basically. But yeah, I mean, we had 57% possession. Uh, it was pretty even shots and shots on target. Um, should have probably had at least one player, at least one more player sent off because you got Cabano sent off. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. In the dying minutes. Yeah, we did. He came I on. forgot about that. I actually didn't, I didn't know about it. So I recorded a podcast about um, the game. And I, I basically switched off after 85 minutes because I was like, this is shit. And I was at a barbecue. Mm. Um, and <laughs> I only was, I was about an hour before the podcast. And I just thought, oh, I better just double check the match report again. And I was like, what? Mm. When did Cabana got sent off? I had no idea <laughs> for a good 24 hours. <laughs> I don't know how many minutes he came on for, but he definitely, he was a substitute and he came on. I think he was only on the pitch about seven yeah, minutes. It wasn't yeah, long. yeah, no, it was something it, it, like it that. Wasn't, it wasn't long. I've probably completely butchered that, but I can always get rid of it in the edit. At least make myself look good. That's yeah. it. You got the power of the edit. You can change it. It's like the most knowledgeable fountain of all knowledge. <laughs> so um, with that and the two performances last weekend, so Liverpool 4, uh, Leeds 3 and um, Fulham nil Arsenal 3. And the Fulham expected lineup. So we're thinking 4-2-3-1 for you guys. Yeah. Um, so Rodak, Odoi, Hector, Reem. Brian, Reed, Kearney, or or Anguissa, yeah. Cabana, Onoma, Caviero, and Mitrovic. Yeah, that's pretty much the sum of it. I actually think our new right back Kenny Tete might um, start at right back in, in instead of Dennis Adoy. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if that happened. Um, I think uh, it's more likely to be Reed and Anguissa maybe Kearney in the 10 with Onoma dropping out as well. But um, it's it's hard to know. And, and I wouldn't be surprised as well to maybe see some rotation on the wing. Obviously, it was Cabano and Cavalero uh, on Saturday against Arsenal. But uh, Knockart did uh, a decent job on Wednesday of scaring all the seats at Portman Road um, <laughs> with his uh, 50 wayward shots. So Scott might have seen something in that performance, which means he warrants a start on uh, on Saturday. Um, uh, Kenny yeah, always so. has a good game against us, though. He's he always ups his performance against us. It seems. Yeah, Kenny's the most oh, frustrating player as a Fulham fan. You know, on his day, he is a, a wonderful footballer, so gifted, um, but he just sometimes doesn't turn up and he's so anonymous in, yeah. in, in some games. And I think he's quite easy to get take out of a game if, if you want him to. He's really, really one-footed, which means he often slows the pay, pace down quite a lot. He's a great player to have when you 1-0 up, basically, because he's got amazing passing and he's brilliant at slowing the game down. But sometimes when you're trying to chase a game or trying to get a goal back and then you've got Kearney taking 20 minutes to make a pass... Um, in the middle of the pitch, it, it can be can yeah, be quite frustrating. frustrating after a while. And he's also as captain material. Um, he's not a natural leader, really. Um, so sometimes you want him to galvanise the team, and he just kind of shrugs his shoulders. Yeah, we've had some trouble okay. with captains recently, so uh, probably best not to go into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so with armed with that knowledge, now the two latest, most recent results. Fulham v Leeds and the two most recent results of the teams from last weekend. I'm going to put you both on the spot and we might make a, a running league table of this for uh, predictions. Yeah. So Alex versus 
the opposition, essentially. <laughs> no so, pressure. I wasn't informed of this, and I'm rubbish <laughs> at this stuff. You want to see my betting history? This is rubbish. I'm going to fail. And that's going to be so funny when you do. <laughs> I should have probably asked you about that up there. But it's it's making the cut, baby. Um, so I want, uh, I want a prediction, score prediction from both of you. And um, Sammy, from you, I'd like to know where you think Fulham will finish, where you think Leeds and Fulham will finish in the table this season. Gotcha. Who do you want to go first? The challenger, yeah. Let's say Alex is, is the reigning champion. <laughs> Which it will be nothing. until I give a result. And then after that, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sammy, you can go first this time if you don't mind. Uh, cool. So, I think it might be 1-0 Fulham. And Ooh. I, I, do, I don't know why, just got this sneaky weird feeling that we might just get a goal and hold on. Um and and frustrate you. I I, I it's just this weird feeling because I think I think the pressure's on Leeds and I do think Fulham. If we had one good thing about us last season was our ability to hold on to a lead. Like the fact that you equalised against us in the game in December makes you a very small list of clubs that were actually able to do that to us. I think it was a record of something like we went in the lead twenty seven, twenty eight times, and we only didn't pick up points in one game two games two games actually sorry it was like, and they were both at the beginning of the season as well so we had this amazing record if we, we do go in front we hold on so i'd like to hope that maybe some uh, revenge can be taken for what happened in june and we might just pick up a scrappy not that entertaining one nil win um and you've got to be positive as well it's the start of the season if i can't be positive now then when can i be um as for where the two teams will finish i think you'll be fine i don't think it will be quite as emphatic as some Leeds fans think but i think you'll be 14th i think i think you'll be safety with three weeks to go or something like that Fulham, before that please <laughs> at fulham i honestly think if i'm being deadly honest maybe 18th i think i th- I I think we will just fall short. Um, and, I, and I think we have got been given the hardest hand in terms of promotion ever in the history of the Premier League. No, you know, it was a hard one anyway with the short summer. But then the fact that we had two extra weeks to then win the playoffs and you guys could probably have started planning for the Premier League a little bit for quite a while before you got promoted we had no idea we were in the Premier League and we were not favourites for that playoff final until a month before. So we've been given such a hard hand and I, I think we might just fall short. But I think it'll be close and I think we'll put up more of a fight than people think. Okay, cool. Um, All right, Alex? Results-wise then, uh, I think it's going to be 2-0 Leeds, but I don't think it's going to sound as positive as that. I think what it's going to be is we'll get a scrappy early goal I think Fulham will absolutely batter us for 90 minutes and I think we'll get a second goal in 90 plus two. And I think the whole Leeds fan base will think that we're unbeatable and we'll be insufferable on Twitter for a week. (laughs) I think that's what it'll be. (laughs) Okay, classic. And seeing as though this is the first first one, um, can you give a prediction of where Leeds will finish as well as your... Where you oh, think Fulham will finish? We're talking out our head. Um, I don't. I think Fulham will be be safe. 
Um, when I thought, because the way I'm looking at it, and I've said this before in the, the pod, is that I want us to be at least the fourth worst team. Um, and I'd be happy with that. And when I've been looking at the three teams that would be worth, worse than us, I've not picked Fulham. West Ham have always been at the bottom, West Brom, uh, and I think Brighton as well. But I think Brighton's a bit hot overhead because of what they did over Ben White with us. They held us to ransom, so I want them to go down. But yeah, I, I think you'll, when you're saying 15th, 14th, I think it's going to be around that for both teams. I think that's where we're going to both be. Well, that'd be nice, we'll be wouldn't it? We can do this all again next season. Yeah, that's it. We'll, we'll meet up again. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, at least for the um, the following fixture, yeah, absolutely. away yes, at Craven Cottage. Whenever that is, I don't even know. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> too much going on. Well, should prepared. see. Should have seen what happened this week. I mean, even just today, Ross McCormack's gone to uh, some bizarre older shots. Scottish older. Yeah. Sh- yeah. <laughs> Go on, Ross McCormack. They even changed the bio on Twitter to the team that Ross McCormack plays for. Amazing. You would though, wouldn't you? You would. Come on, biggest day in Aldershot Town's history. <laughs> the mighty Ross McCormack. Great yeah. player, by the way. What yeah, it was good player. for us. It was really good for us. We were so bad. That that team he played in was so bad and he's just scored goals for fun. Yeah. Like all sorts of goals. Free kicks, chips, one-on-ones, belters. He he, had, he was one of my favourite ever Fulham players, and it was one of the worst teams of Fulham I've ever witnessed. But he <laughs> right. he made it. He was magic. What a player! I love Ross McCormack. Yeah, he kept us going for a while there as well. Yeah. Okay, and we've kept you going for a while also. Um, so that was the Leeds Fulham match preview, and it's a a very goodbye from me. <laughs> a very a very goodbye from Alex. <laughs> a very goodbye from me too. <laughs> yeah, very goodbye from me. Most of our stats come from LUFC Stats or LUFC Data on Twitter. You should probably give them a follow as they're more interesting than us. A very special thanks to Adam Elliott, Adam Warner, Barney Stewart, Cookie Ed McIntyre, Ewan and Howard Metcalf, Josh Pearson, Laura, Leon, Nige and Rob, The Light Show and all our family and friends. So many games to play, don't